As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. My name is Oliver Queen. For five years, I was stranded on an island with only one goal. Survive. Oliver Queen is alive. Now I will fulfill my father's dying wish to use the list of names he left me and bring down those who are poisoning my city. To do this, I must become someone else. I must become something else. All right, good evening. Welcome to episode four of Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on television. I'm Scott McGregor, and this is uh, Chris Tyler, hair metal hero, with you once again. Hey, everybody. And tonight we're going to be covering Arrow, um, season one, episode two, uh, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one, episode four, I believe, right? I think yep. we're up to. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, obviously, this is the one right after the pilot of Arrow, and we open right with Oliver Queen um, recapping some of the pilot in voiceover uh, as he's beating up some, some kind of generic guards and forcing a bad guy to to make good because he has failed the city. Uh, our next scene is uh, Oliver has to appear in court basically just to legally prove that he's not dead anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Always paperwork. On his way into the courtroom, uh, he flashes back to the storm, and he's explaining to the judge what happened, and we get to see a little bit in flashback, uh, saying that for those five years on the island, he felt he had to live for both him and his father, and he explained that his father didn't make it. Didn't go into the details of all that, obviously, and uh, Queen's declaration of death is rescinded. He runs into an angry Laurel outside of the courtroom, and... uh, he actually gets to see, uh, she's there for legal stuff herself, and he gets to see a press conference of a man that she's prosecuting. Um, and uh, <laughs> Oliver has to go off and do some aerotype stuff, so he instantly ditches his poor bodyguard, Diggle, which has been from day <laughs> one trying to keep up with him. We see uh, Laurel give her opening statement in a courtroom scene against a guy named Martin Summers, who was uh, smuggling drugs into the city by way of the Chinese triads. In order to keep his illegal business going, Summers had a man killed, and Laurel is arguing on behalf of uh, his daughter, Emily. And we get an obligatory Oliver training and voiceover montage. Oh, yeah. And it was, uh, it was just funny going back and watching these, these older episodes, and, and they... Uh, they knew the audiences they were trying to grab, and, and they were, you know, we got some gratuitous salmon ladder and, uh, you know, just shirtless Oliver 
for like 10 minutes. I'm surprised there wasn't like a Survivor song underneath of it. I, I'm okay with it because <laughs> just watching him do that thing is just incredible. Oh, it's amazing and it's it's great. I mean, you're, you're literally, you know, there's no cutaways. It's not a stunt, man. This is the actor himself that's in this good of shape. And it, the man is a specimen. There's no disputing that at all. Um, it's, yeah. You know, in my wildest dreams, I'm only half as built as <laughs> this guy, you know. <laughs> I don't allow myself to even have thoughts, entertain <laughs> no, right. thoughts like that at this point. Nope. No, his waist, you know, my thigh is the, is the size of his waist, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, over here, well, uh, yeah, Oliver training uh, and doing a lot of voiceover, I noticed, going back, and, and a lot of uh, Oliver explaining to us what he's doing, which I'm glad they eventually dropped and, and gave us enough credit for our own eyes to tell us what was going on because it got a little annoying um we get uh we learned that summer's name was on his father's list of course or you know why would we even be focusing on him cut to arrow hanging summer's upside down shooting arrows at him while demanding that he confesses to the murder um that laurel is trying to prosecute him for uh we cut to some family stuff moira uh ollie's mom is complaining to diglo about constantly losing her son um, Ollie walks in and she asks him where he runs off to when he escapes and funny scene I, Oliver in no uncertain terms um, says mom I was alone for a long time on that island just saying you know kind of <laughs> yeah. saying your son's off getting some so you don't want to ask any more questions and that usually puts a mom off the questioning trail right there you know that's, yeah. that's a pretty good tactic by Ollie uh, <laughs> Moira asks him to take Diggle uh, with him on his next rendezvous creepy uh diggle tells queen that he he'll, he's gonna quit if he ditches him one more time and <laughs> and thea has a nice little scene with uh ali uh you know complaining about um showing up five years after being dead and, and judging her for her her teenage reckless habits and she actually takes him out back uh to show him his grave and be like you know this is all i had while you were gone and i thought you were dead this, this is who i came to advice is your fucking tombstone so you know, why don't you give me a little something, something here, bro? I don't. I forget what his rank is at this part in the show, but Lieutenant Lance, maybe Captain Lance, Laurel's dad, the the cop point of view in this show, um, is interviewing Summers after his little attack, and he doesn't want to tell Lance anything about his run-in with the Arrow. Um, but Lance is, you know, has found one of the arrows and, and sees the little arrow hole in his desk and like, come on, dude, you know, what am I an idiot? I'm a cop here. Yeah. And then Summers gets all randy and, and actually makes a threat towards Laurel and and, and Lance and, and says, you know, you don't want to see what I'm capable of, which uh, Mr. Lance Quinton doesn't like very much. Queen gets a, uh, Oliver gets a tour of the family business thanks to uh, Moira and Walter. Um and they're saying they would like to name a new building after his father. And they ask Ollie to take a leadership position in the company, and Ollie has, wants nothing to do with it at all. Um, and he makes a crack about Walter, you know, being married to his mother and sleeping just down the hall for him. And he, Ollie is kind of acting like the asshole playboy that, you know, and just says, well, I was away for five years, I don't want this kind of, you know, responsibility, I just want to live my life. Because he obviously has other things to do that is not off being an asshole playboy uh, also uh when did moira have ollie like when she was eight years old i'm sorry but that actress does just not look old enough 
<laughs> well, so Ollie's only supposed to be what about twenty six? Yeah, tops? yeah, and you know, and she looks thirty. So I mean, ah, she doesn't <laughs> no, look not that quite that bad. good. But Moira's a good looking woman, and still don't think the math adds up there. I don't know. Personal observation: I always like the milfs. What can I say? Milf! 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 Diggle talks to uh, Ali about his family, and they have a nice little chat, and, uh, you know, Diggle rolls out the old, plays the Afghanistan card and all that stuff. Uh, We get a little more flashback to the first landing on the island. His father's corpse washes up, and he tries to shoo the birds away from, you know, picking at his dad's corpse. Um, Just hungry, Ali. It's it's not personal. Um, (laughs) Sergeant Lance, or whatever the hell is... His uh, rank is at this point Coplands, we'll call him, or Quentin. Drops by Laurel's office and uh, he tells her that she and Emily are getting 24-7 protective custody. And she, she initially declines and, you know, oh, you know, don't worry about it. And he's like, look, I'm just doing my job here. You know, this asshole has threatened you and you've got to be protected and that's the end of it. And Sarah, 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 I couldn't protect her angst, grimdark depression. Um, Summer speaks with a female representative of the triad, who the lovely Kelly Hu played, a uh, nice silver-haired, um, you know, stereotype martial art- artist, kick-ass woman. Uh, and they both decide that killing Laurel would probably be a good idea. Um, Thea walks in on Ali, uh, taking the shirt off, as he does every three minutes in the, the first season of this show, and asks him about his scars, which are obviously plentiful, and he... He plays the uh, traumatized, you know, brother thing and says he's not ready to talk about them yet. And, and actually, this is when she takes him out back and, and shows him the tombstone and gives him the whole, you know, let me in because, you know, all I have is this stone otherwise, and you're kind of acting like a stone. So it's the metaphor I took from it, anyhow. Yes. Queen drops by uh, Laurel's place, and they've kind of buried the hatchet a little bit. He, he says he initially blew her off to protect her. But now he realizes that he hurt her more, and he tells her about not wanting to work for the company, and his mother not wanting to accept that answer. He says that his father blames himself more than he does, or her father blames himself more than he does. Um, Ollie hears something and, and pulls her out just before someone starts shooting up the place. It's the triad, of course, and, and Diggle actually saves the day. To an extent, just before Queen and Laurel are killed, the woman we saw meeting with Summers um, is also there, but she managed to escape. Lance arrives and thanks Diggle, and he then tells Queen, of course, to stay away from my daughter. You get her killed, too. Got a lot of angst. Yep. Now, Diggle, being the uh, smart, astute man he is, noticed that Queen was able to help him by throwing an unbalanced kitchen knife ten feet across the room, and Queen's just like, you know, Ollie's like, oh, beginner's luck, I just got lucky. And Diggle's like, come on, don't fucking insult my intelligence, dude. I, I know somebody who's got training when I see it. Uh, and Ollie just kind of blows him off. But the wheels are obviously turning, and, and Diggle said that there's a little more to the meets the eye than mis- to Mr. Queen than, you know, the drunken frat boy. Queen gets into his arrow gear and prepares to go after Summers. Arrow arrives just as uh, Summers is preparing to leave town. Now, we flash back to Lance and Laurel, and he wants her to recuse herself from the case, but she won't do it, of course, because pride. Uh, Lance gets a call about something happening at the docks. Arrow is fighting his way to Summers. He gets Summers to admit that he ordered the triad hits uh, to kill um, the guy named Victor, the father of the woman we talked about earlier. 
Uh, China White, Kelly Hu, shows up in a huge martial arts battle with Arrow and Sue's. Um, the police show up and Lance has arrow in his sights, but he shoots an arrow at, uh, Ollie takes this little, you know, hand arrow throwing thing and whacks it at, uh, Lance's arm, knocking the gun away, but not harming him. And attached to the arrow is a digital recording of Summer's confession about the crime. So collar that son of a bitch and take him away. Now, I just want to jump in here. I, I was just talking to someone else on the podcast I just did before this one about Arrow and uh, what kind of sucked me in it that, that they weren't really, you know, pressed with the first couple episodes. And, and a lot of it was kind of slow moving and yet, you know, the, the CW, we got to have a soap opera in here stuff too. And that didn't really do much for me. But I'll tell you what, from the get go in this show was the fight scenes that really sucked yeah. me into it. And just some really top notch stuff for television. And um, I imagine a, a good... I mean, they've got their stunt people and stuff, but I've seen some videos of Stephen Amell, and he does do a significant amount of his own stuff. And just the choreography is really above and beyond what I've seen in a lot of TV shows, and, and it was just some brave stuff to attempt. And, you know, I guess it's not all just bow and arrows, but there's some fantastic oh, martial arts going on. Yeah. <laughs> Ollie decides that he needs to be the person everybody thinks he is in order to fill his promise to his father. In other words, kind of go even more underground. So um, we cut to Walter uh, beginning the dedication of the new Queen building, and, and Ollie shows up seemingly trashed. He grabs the microphone and kind of creates a scene, says he's not half the man his father was, and, and stop asking me to be. Um, Summers is headed to jail, and stamp, uh, Lance stops by to see his daughter, Laurel. He's still not happy with the arrow, calling him an anarchist, and he's hell-bent in arresting him. Uh, Queen crosses Summers' name off his father's list, and flashes back to bringing his father's body to a rock. Inside his father's pocket, he finds a blank journal with a circular logo on the front page. Now, Moira meets mysteriously with someone in the rear of a limousine, telling them that her son has no clue about what is actually going on, or that the yacht was actually sabotaged. So the person person is holding something with the same circular logo. Queen goes to his father's gravestone. He talks about how hard it's been to reconnect and keep his secrets. He reaffirms his pledge to right his father's wrongs, but tells him to do that. He'll He'll have to dishonor his memory. As he leaves, some workers move in to dismantle his headstone. Back to the island flashback. As he is uh, finishing burying his father under some rocks, Queen is hit in the right shoulder by an arrow. He looks up and sees a person wearing a hood, notching another arrow, and preferring to fire him at him again as he passes out. End the episode. So, Moving oh, yeah. the story along, we got to see, you know, kind of Ollie's first first major day out after the pilot and um, not quite uh, he gets he actually starts out less of a cold-blooded killer than he becomes he yeah. he starts getting a little more ruthless as things go by and he doesn't bother even delivering criminals to the cops for a while there no. uh, but that's in the future um, but seeding the you know uh, sowing the seeds with his mom and uh, I said I have to disagree with the people I talked about earlier. I, this sucked me in pretty quickly. I didn't start watching it when it first came out, but I read like some reviews when it was in like the second season and decided, oh, what the hell, I'll go back and you know binge watch it. It's the Green Arrow. How how badly could they mess it up? And I don't think they did at all. I mean, no, it's I, <laughs> it, 
here's the thing with with Green Arrow. I mean, unless you're a, a big comics fan, you're probably not aware of the character. I know that he was on Justice League Unlimited for a couple of seasons. Yeah. But again, that was a cable show that not everybody watched, and he was also on Smallville for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. And again, the viewership of Smallville is not the same viewership as you know Law and Order. So it is a character that I think they felt like they could play with a little bit. Yeah. And uh, watching it, I, I'm not – Green Arrow isn't really one of my sacred cows. So it's like, all right, he's killing guys. All right, whatever. He's going to be kind of a more of a vigilante. I yeah. get it. Um, so it didn't – I mean, that didn't bother me. Yeah, the soap opery stuff – Again, it's a CW. That that's their bread and butter. That's what they do. And you either have to roll with it or just sort of gloss over it because the super heroic stuff that they're doing with the you know the mystery of why everything happened and the action that they're giving you, which is pretty damn good, is yeah. is enough to is enough to keep you interested. And if you know, if I was a eighteen year old girl, I'd probably be watching it for the guys in the romance too. Like yeah. so, who, you know, I really can't complain about it. Well, see, that doesn't even bother me so much is that it just it feels so clunky in the beginning of a show. And CW in particular, because I can't imagine they these actors get hired and they're probably like on the job within a couple of days, except for the ones like Steven that have to go through some major training and stuff. Um, yeah, that's kind it, of indicative of almost any show, though. I mean, the the first half of season one of Supernatural is a little yeah, wonky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the first season of Smallville was a little wonky. And it's going to come out more, I and mean, it's going to be more evident when you're trying to portray an intimate relationship between two people that just literally have not had the time to even build that chemistry with their characters yet. So I think that's really my only gripe about it, is that it just, I don't, the, the, the characters, the actors themselves aren't in the flow yet. Because I eventually really got to like, everyone hated Laurel for the first two freaking seasons. Hated her. I mean, that's all you heard was, somebody please kill off Laurel. You know. <laughs> my my fiance was one of them. Yeah, and I just I really I thought it was brave they they went with one plot line that we'll talk about eventually when they get to it. Um, and I really thought she grew as a character, and I was actually for a while you know hoping maybe we would see the canary with with Ollie and all that stuff. Um, so I think it's more just nitpicking and just you know and I'd rather see nothing but freaking fight scenes the whole show too but you have to do something else for you know the other 30 minutes <laughs> well yeah if somebody you know literally comes back from the dead you have yeah, to kind of yeah. you know what's happened in their real life and what what's the stuff that they actually do have to take care of yeah. but but for all the misses and then the the developing chemistry between characters i think there were some right out of the gate like Diggle and and Oliver right out of the gate i always I love that pair and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's just minor nitpicky stuff, but. Yeah, I, 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 you know, yeah, it's just little nitpicks in this first season, but it's, you know, it's still entertaining. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the one criti- critique my other friend had was that it was, and he's a huge Green Arrow fan, I mean, he was whipping off, you know, he's like, oh, I've, you know, what, and I'm sitting there, you know, pretty much nodding because I don't know anybody that he's talking about. He's like, oh, I was there in the Johnson days and, and when Goober was an artist. And, you know, I, none of these people I fucking know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he was great. Yeah, absolutely. And he's like, well, he just doesn't feel like green any Green Arrow I know. And and I, the, my Green Arrow experience is a little Golden Age stuff, you know, a little like Justice Society stuff in well, that era anyway that I must have read in compendiums or whatever. Was there a 
There was a Golden Age Green Arrow, isn't there? Or no? uh, yeah, he's been around since the 40s. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, and then it was Silver Age, and I, I used to read a lot of Green Arrow, Green Lantern comics. And, um, yeah, this this isn't that Oliver Queen at all. And uh, he doesn't even, I don't think he's even there yet. In no, four but episodes, I mean... But. The, but the, uh, the I mean, the showrunners even said it. They said this is not the, you know, eventually it's going to get to the point where he's the, the Ollie from the comics. Yeah. You know, he's going to be the, the swashbuckler with the more of a sense of humor. Yeah. Oh, they're, not, they're taking their time on it, but I still like, <laughs> I still yeah. love the character. You don't have to have everything, you know, you know, that we talked about the Flash. That is kind of bury on from the comics in a lot of ways. But, I mean, this one... A little bit younger, but yeah. Th- this one's a little more Batman, really, than, than Green Yeah, Man. it's actually a better uh, Batman show than a uh, <laughs> better Batman than we've had in terms of Batman in live action a long yeah, time. Yeah. Oh, that's me saying that. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the Nolan film, so... Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's still working for me, and it's, it's fun going back. I said, other than I didn't realize... Now with the lack of it, how like annoying that the the Ali voiceover was when he's kind of sitting there doing exposition on himself, uh, <laughs> which I, I'm sure they dropped about the second season. I, I can't remember too much more of it, but it's it's it definitely kind of sticks out in, in these first two episodes that I redid. Uh, minor minor nitpicks. Why don't we get to the Agents of Shield? Thirty years ago, I walked into a comic store and I picked up. G.I. Joe and the Transformers number one. A month later, I came back. They say every journey has a first step. Every story has a beginning. This is mine. I may have begun my comics collecting career in earnest in 1990, but from the fall of 1986 until the fall of 1987, I was a regular at my LCS. So in honor of 30 years of collecting comics, I'll be recapping and reviewing all of them on the days they originally came out. So join me, Tom Panneries, for Origin Story, a podcast miniseries starting this September at popcultureaffidavit.com and twotruefreaks.com This is episode four of season one. The episode's name is I Spy. And all uh, right, let me just uh, use this pre-written summary that I did not write. <laughs> all right, so we start off the episode in Stockholm, where a number of identically dressed men with red masks and briefcases enter a subway station, followed by a mysterious young woman tracking their movement. Upon boarding the train, the men stare at the woman before she takes advantage of the emergency brake to knock them all unconscious, severing one of their hands to fetch his handcuffed briefcase. Alone in the tunnels, the woman opens the case to reveal a cache of diamonds before disappearing. Aboard the bus en route to Sweden, Coulson finds Skye taking personal time within one of the shield cars. 
and asked her last for her assistance to learn how someone cracked elaborate security systems in multiple heists. In the case of the masked men, the thief managed to identify which of the 55 briefcases contained the diamonds, having pulled off several other impossible heists with her eyes closed. Sky posits that they can find the woman through civilian social media photos of the bizarre masked men, in which Coulson recognizes his own former trainee, Akila Amador. Coulson identifies the former protege as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent gone missing and now rogue, though he resists May's suggestion that they update HQ on their findings, and Sky assures him Akila's turn couldn't be his fault. Meanwhile, Akila meets with her buyer in a Belarus hotel room, closing her eyes to correctly identify several other armed men in the building. Handing the man golf balls that disguise the diamonds, Akila accepts a key card as payment for the stones. The ground team of Colson, Ward, Fitz, Simmons, and Skye drive towards the small village as Colson and Ward get out on foot to ask around for Akila's hotel. Meanwhile, the team in the van taps into a mysterious signal broadcasting nearby, quickly realizing it to be Akila's own video feed approaching the van. Sky tries in vain to use a gun for defense, but not before Akila rams their van off the road and escapes. Sky recovers the data stream, which the team soon realizes originates from an ocular implant within Akila that switches to X-ray when her eyes close. May insists that Akila attack the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and can't be redeemed, though a message on the camera's viewpoint quickly brings the realization that Akila is doing another's bidding. Later, Sky agrees with Coulson that Akila may deserve a second chance before Coulson realizes that May found Akila's hotel from a room service receipt and already left to intercept her. Akila awakens to find May in her hotel room, refusing to look at the agent for fear her handler will order them to fight or activate a fail-safe kill switch within her eye. <laughs> Akila opts to protect herself by engaging May, gaining the upper hand by turning out the lights though Coulson manages to intervene with a tranquilizer before Akila kills May. A while later, Akila awakens in the bus's holding cell, while Coulson assures her that they transferred the ocular feed to a set of glasses worn by Ward, intending to carry out Akila's mission until they can remove the actual uh, implant out of Akila. Having been watched for the last four years since her captivity after the failed mission, Akila expresses relief and laments that not following Coulson's last orders got her team killed. Meanwhile, Ward and Sky arrive to Akila's assigned destination, unable to look at one another to avoid compromising Akila's cover. As Ward enters the mysterious plant, Coulson and Akila work out from her handler's instructions that he's at least English, older, and heavyset, while Fitz and Simmons prep for surgery to remove Akila's implant. Ward follows the directions to finally find his target before the handler instructs, instructs that he seduce the guard. Still thinking the feet, the feet to be from Aquila. Yeah, that's some funny stuff. Yeah, and <laughs> Ward being like, "Oh, yeah, some Mister Super Spy. Can I pull this one off, though?" Yeah, Ward reluctantly does his best to make. <laughs> this is not my writing here. Bromantic small talk with the guard, <laughs> ultimately knocking him out and entering the next room. Once inside, Ward sees two men working away with equations written all over the walls the most alien-looking of which causes the implant to take a photograph, completing the mission. And let's remember this uh, writing that's on the wall. Yes. It's going to come back into play yeah. heavily. It might. Hmm. It seems to be foreshadowing of some kind. It might it? even be alien. Yes. The, alarm, the alarm rings when the guard fails to check in, sending Ward running through the installation to flee from gunfire, while Fitz and Simmons continue attempting to remove Akila's implant. 
Ward accidentally sees his reflection in a mirror, forcing Fitz and Simmons to sever the implant before the handler triggers a small explosive in Aquila's device, which thankfully has now been removed. Elsewhere, Coulson manages to track the handler's location. But when Coulson identifies himself as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, the Englishman's own implant blows, killing him instantly. The threat over, Coulson assures Aquila she'll receive a fair trial, while, while Aquila points out to May that something seems worryingly different about Coulson since his injury, his injury, at the Battle of New York. <laughs> yeah. Coulson returns to Skye's carside hideaway as the two agree about the importance of having somewhere peaceful to rest, and Aquila finally sleeps without fear of being watched. Stinger for the episode is uh, Fist, Fitz, Fist, Fitz, enlisting Sky. Fitz enlists Sky in the glasses to see Ward's cards in a game of poker, yeah. but quickly folds when Sky tells him that she will also see him without his clothes. She, however, does not seem to mind and turns them on anyway, seeing Ward naked. Ha ha ha. Perv. Uh, Perv, Sky. Well, he's like a walking Ken doll. I mean, he is, you know. Yeah, he's impressive. Yep. They they grow him the same place they grow Stephen and Mel I think uh, I think Mel's a little more shredded <laughs> yeah a little <laughs> but I don't know that's the so, thing with all these comic book movies you you got friggin Paul Rudd and Stephen Amell and all these guys that are in their late thirties or Paul Rudd's in his forties it's like Jesus yeah. Christ man the guy who plays Diggle's almost fifty I know right yeah and he's like he's just a brick shit house yeah. hey, you know how happy I was when fucking Patton Oswalt finally shows up on. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. spoilers. It's like somebody without, you know, with more than 1% body fat. Amazing. Yeah, didn't know that existed in this world. <laughs> That's true. Uh, That's comic books. I, You know, I yeah. want to see good-looking people in oh, yeah. comic book stuff. It highlights, um, I love the, the Fitzsimmons play, too, when he's getting a little grossed out about the whole eyeball surgery. That was pretty neat. Yeah, he's uh, not had a lot of field experience yet. No, no. And, um... I don't know. I I, I got to address something that, that, like, this is almost a rant for the future is to be completely, like, not really out of context because it's been kind of the criticism of this show from a lot of people from day one. And it kind of pisses me off a little bit because, to me, this episode was... This was exactly what they promised us when they started the show. It was a spy show. It was a spy thriller episode. You know, the mystery's there. We gotta go solve it. Let's use our tech and let's use all our assets. Find out what the what the thing is and solve it. And you know, it, it's like a Mission Impossible episode. You know, yeah. And we even get a Mission Impossible freaking masks eventually in this show. But there's always been this, and even I guess Chloe Bennett has just recently come out and said, you know, just kind of griping about how the the Marvel movies don't acknowledge the TV show, which. You know, we've been over this a couple times, but I mean, I think people griping about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. not having enough of the rest of the Marvel Universe in it is just people that haven't, didn't pay attention to what the mission statement of the show was to begin with. I I perfectly liked that there was nothing, there was absolutely nothing, you know, tying this particular episode to anything else in, in the Marvel Universe, really. It was kind of a standalone um, it teased a couple things that will be coming later. But, I mean, this is kind of what they promised us, that it was going to be this procedural spy show type thing. And that's what I was looking forward to when I first watched it. And, you know, eventually, occasionally they'll be going after alien stuff. Occasionally we'll get a 
a little Easter egg here or a little minor character here or there, and that yeah. kept me very happy the whole way. And I, I just don't understand the the rage sometimes. There's just no logistical way that it can this can be seamlessly molded into the movies too. It's just it's can't. If work you had that way. yeah, I mean, if you have any of the top tier heroes showing up in this, there's no show. Right. It's. Uh, you, you, I mean, if Captain America showed up, he'd have this whole situation solved in about three seconds. Right, and then you'd also have. Well, why don't they just call him every episode? Then you know, it's like because well, it's not his. Uh, story. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's. It's a big world. It's even a big city, even though only like ninety percent of the Marvel universe is set in New York City. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but again, though, they were hamstrung. <laughs> they they could only do so much because they they knew at the time when they were making it what the fallout from Winter Soldier was going to be. Yeah. So I mean, you have to you have to play it straight like that. You can't lead on about anything, which is why when that worm turns near the end of the season, it's great. That's when the show really does pick up. Yeah. And I mean the arcs they did in the second and third seasons have been you know basically whole season long arcs, which is fine for a show too. But I don't think you should ever discount little like one shots like this too. That you know you don't always have to be mythology building. Some of no. like, X Files best episodes were total the standalones. Standalone. Yeah, I like the standalone yeah. X Files episodes more than the mythology ones. But it's it's another thing where you also have to you have to give a shit about all of these people before everything goes south. Yeah. yeah. You know, you had to you have to introduce the audience surrogate. You have to show Colson being alive and presumably well. And you have to get a feel for everybody else. Yeah, and we get some seeds of, you know, the eventual attractions and, you know, Sky and Word and um, you know, Fitz and Simmons, obviously. And yeah. Yeah, it's all just, it's character building, and and so, nah, on anyone that, you know, griped this early in the show that they haven't had, you know, their Marvel fix yet, because it's just, I, I fully enjoyed going back and watching these four episodes. Yeah, I, I was never expecting the movies no. watching this. I was expecting a weekly dose of something in the Marvel Universe. No, and then I think it's next, uh, maybe next episode that... We get some more stuff with, yeah, with uh, Centipede, and I think it's maybe Blizzard next time, isn't it? Uh, which one? I know Blizzard shows up here pretty soon. The no, this one. one's the, uh, yeah, the, the fire guy. Actually. Yeah, the next, the next one's one. the, yeah, the girl in the flower dress. Yep. That's which right. is, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, where the, the some of the bigger ideas for the season start to come out in that one. Yeah, so looking forward to going over that one. and uh, As am I. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this has been too short. <laughs> it's been too short. Minutes. That's all right. They don't <laughs> yeah. all have to be marathons. Yeah, no, no, that'll work. Yeah. So, what are we covering next time? We'll be doing an Agents of Shield, and are we going to go back to Flash? Or I think uh, yeah, next episode we'll probably be doing. Yep, yeah, we'll do Agents of Shield episode five and Flash. What are we on episode three? Maybe three. Three. Yep. So, yeah, if it's for a future listening reference, you know, in case you want to skip a few or whatever, you know, or rifle through the library and, and find out what you want to listen to. Um, I think we're going to be doing all of uh, first season of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we're going to do all of first season of, of Flash and Arrow, and then we might deviate a little bit, maybe throw in some Agent Carter there for the Marvel, and um, maybe do some other things, or just keep rolling i don't know uh we need to get ourselves a an email set up as well which we'll have by the next show that you listen to after this one 
and um, or it'll be in an intro or an outro on one of the shows you've already listened to. And feel free do, to co- yeah, feel free to comment on travel. Facebook. Yeah, and comment on Facebook once we get that page set up. All of this is irrelevant because it'll already be done by the time you even hear this. That's the weirdness of podcasting time, kids. If I could save time in a bottle. If only Einstein were still with us to make sense of it all. It's, you know, I don't know. There's no sense to be made. No, there isn't. But uh, this has been Weekly Heroes, Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on Television. Thanks for joining us. Weekly Heroics, a Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV, is produced by Scott McGregor and Chris Tyler. Contact us by email at weeklyheroics at yahoo.com. Bill, 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 Bill.